2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 23. The Bible says, And he went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him, and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. And he went up from thence to Mount Carmel, and from thence he returned to Samaria. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word tonight. I pray that you will speak to our hearts, Lord, that you'll help us in the next few moments. Lord, may we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. May we do the will of God. I pray for your touch in a special way. We'll love you and we'll praise you and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice with me in verse number 23, three things here uh, that we find in verse number 23. The Bible says, and he went up from thence. He's talking about Elisha. We know that Elisha has crossed the Jordan and now Elisha is making his way uh, through those cities that him and Elijah walked through. They went from Gilgal to Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, and then from Jericho to the Jordan. And, Jordan, and Elisha has crossed the Jordan and now uh, he is making his way back uh, through that same route that Elijah took him through. And when we come to this text here, we notice his movement that the man of God, Elisha, has performed his second miracle uh, as he's crossed the Jordan. He's performed his second miracle in turning the water that was corrupt, turning it uh, right, making it pure once again. And now he is headed uh, uh, somewhere else. And I want to stop and say this tonight, that God always has his man on the move. Amen? Uh, the work of God is a busy work. And there's always something to be done. There's always some place to go. There's always a work that must be done. Uh, listen, certainly the ministry is not for lazy preachers. Isn't that right? Elisha was not a lazy man. And we see his movement in this text. And then we notice his mission. Where is he going? Look, the Bible says he went up from thence on to Bethel. So he's headed to Bethel. And as we mentioned that, Elisha is making his way back along that same route that Elijah took him upon. But what I want you to notice tonight is that Bethel is important. We'll say more about that in just a moment. There's a reason that Elisha is going to Bethel. And so we notice his mission. He has a specific place in mind. God does not just let his men just venture here and there, but God sends them on specific missions to a specific place, to a specific people, to do a specific work. And so we notice his movement. We notice his mission. But I want you to notice his mockers tonight. In verse number 23, the Bible said that there came forth little children out of the city and they mocked him. It's amazing when you think about this little text here tonight in the ministry of Elisha. It's amazing that these young people would come out and what they're literally doing is they're testing the ministry of the man of God. And every man's ministry is going to be tested somewhere at some time and probably more times than others. But what's amazing is the crowd that is testing him in this verse here tonight. The one that are mocking him, listen, it's not the prophets of Baal. It's, listen, it's not some false prophet. It's not some heathenistic crowd, but it's a youth group. It's young people in this text. In fact, the Bible says in verse number 24 that there was 42 of them. Now, no doubt there was more than 42, but there was 42 of them out of this youth group that suffered great consequences uh, as a result.
result of mocking the man of God. What I want to draw your attention to tonight is in verse number 20, uh, verse number 24. We'll notice that whenever those she bears came out, uh, the Bible said that it tear 40 and two children. It teared 40 and two children. You see, these young people started mocking the man of God. They started making fun of the man of God. And these she bears come out and 42 of them, uh, listen, suffered the consequences uh, of disrespect. Isn't that right? Uh, that's what this text really promotes tonight. But here's what I want to preach on a few minutes tonight. I want to preach to the young people on this subject on a youth group that is torn apart. A youth group that is torn apart. You see that's literally what happens in this text tonight. And you young people hear me tonight. Those of you that are sitting here and those of you that are scattered out and those of you that are sitting in the back that ought to be sitting up here tonight. Listen, you listen to me tonight. You take heed to what I'm telling you right now. If you're not careful the devil will get in a youth group just like he will in the church. Can I get a witness on that? He'll tear a youth group apart. You say brother gravely have you heard something I hadn't heard a thing uh, but I got up yesterday morning was studying my Bible and this is just what God gave me and then tonight on the way to church I didn't know when and where I'd preach it I thought I might preach it at some youth meeting down the road but I reckon I'm getting too old to do that and so I'll just preach it to y'all tonight amen I, I'm telling you we need some young people that'll stay unified uh, around the word of God uh, they'll stay unified together I'm telling you we need unity in the youth group just like we need it in the church can I get an Amen out of all y'all. Amen. I'm talking about tonight uh, uh, the youth group that was torn apart. I want you to notice the description of these youth. In verse number 23, the Bible gives clear description of them, of their approach. Uh, the Bible said that they came forth. Amen. In other words, uh, they wasn't afraid to come and to approach Elisha. Now, I think a man of God ought to be approachable. I think young people ought to be able to come up. They ought to be able to talk to him. Can I get a witness right there? I remember as a teenager, as a young teenager, whenever a man of God came around, uh, uh, listen, there was respect for the preacher. There was respect for men of God. I thought about whenever Brother Don Green would come walking through the camp, uh, all of us young preachers would be standing around and we'd be like, Shh, y'all straighten up, here comes Don Green. And we wasn't doing anything, but we just felt like the principal was coming through, you know? I mean, you say, did you, did you feel pressured? No, I just felt like I better do inventory of my life. Uh, a man of God was coming by. You say, well, I don't believe that way. Well, that's your problem, amen? Uh, but I'm telling you, I thank God when Brother Allen would come around, uh, whenever uh, uh, Brother Baloo would come around, uh, I'm telling you, whenever Harold B. Seitler would enter the building, uh, we didn't put them on a pedestal as God, uh, uh, but we knew how to respect them, amen? You know why them older saints taught us? Uh, that's the man of God. Uh, uh, you respect him, you pray for him. You don't treat him like everybody else. He carries the word of God. I'm telling you, that's important. And we see the description of these mockers in their approach. And then we see it in their age. Notice the Bible says they were little children. I don't know how young they were. Maybe they were just small. Maybe they were teenagers. Sometimes when the Bible talks about children, it talks about them from a wide age bracket. They may have been five, seven, or 
eight or nine, but they might have been about 13, 14, or 16. But nevertheless, we know they were young, amen? And we see their age, and we see their approach, and we see their amount. Verse number 24 tells us that there was at least 42 of them. It's a pretty good group, a pretty large youth group that is coming out to the man of God. And we notice their area. The Bible says that it was as, in verse number 23, he was on his way to Bethel, amen? You say, Brother Gravely, why do you emphasize that? I'll tell you about that in just a moment. It's very important. But we notice the description of these youth, and then we see the disrespect. The Bible said that they came forth and they mocked him. And they said unto him, go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. They're making fun of the man of God. You better be careful who you make fun of. If your spare time of laughter is sitting around making fun of people, you'll pay a high price for that. Now, we've all seen people do funny things. I mean, if you don't believe that, just find you a bench at Walmart. I mean, you don't need, listen, you don't need to pay a ticket and go downtown and for some kind of entertainment. Just go to Walmart and sit on a bench. I'm telling you, listen, you'll get one freak show after another coming through there. You know that. And uh, there's enough to make you laugh and there's enough to make you cry. I mean, listen, the only place scarier than the Walmart is the airport. Amen. And I'm telling you, listen, uh, you go there. You don't need any entertainment. I mean, it's walking past you all day long. I'm just telling you how it is. And listen, I know we all get tickled at people uh, uh, sometimes, uh, but there's a difference uh, in getting a little bit tickled and laughing about something than just mocking people and just making fun of them. And that's what they're doing in this text. Uh, the disrespect of these young people. We see them mocking. Uh, we see the message of these young people. Look what they're saying to the man of God. They said, go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. They're not just making fun of Elijah or Elisha but they're making fun of his ministry. They're making fun of Elijah, the man of God that went up. They're disrespecting the truth, the principle. Hey, that, listen, if you look at the ministry of Elijah, Elijah when he was taking out in the whirlwind, hey, that's a picture of the rapture, isn't it? That's a good picture of being taken out. And my friend, they were making fun of what God did in the ministry of Elijah. They were making fun of the ministry of Elisha. Hey, be careful what you say about men of God. Be careful what you say about preachers. Be careful what you say about somebody else in church. Can I get a witness on that? That's not just good for young people, but hey, that's good for adults. Don't gossip about something you hear in the church. Can I get an amen? You ought to respect people's privacy. If you hear something, don't tell somebody else about it. I'm telling you, God will let it get out and it'll get out on you that you told it. I'm telling you, listen, they may have enough Christian character to never come and confront you because they love Jesus too much, but you will reap the results of that if you run your mouth and gossip about something that goes on in somebody's life. Amen. Uh, can I get a witness on that? I'm telling you, when you hear about something going on, uh, if somebody falls out in sin or somebody messes their life up, uh, you don't need to run off and tell everybody else about it. You ought to consider yourself uh, unless it be you that be tempted. Uh, you ought to, listen, the Bible said he that's of a faithful spirit, he don't sit around and gossip and tell all his friends about it, but the Bible said he concealeth the matter. Can I get a witness on that? Well, I hit a stump, so let me back up and come again on it. I'm telling you one reason why we have unity in this church is because people don't sit around and talk about other people's lives. 
Amen. I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you when somebody falls out in sin in a youth group, uh, it, listen, when they get right with God, it's our responsibility and it's our Christian character and our Christian duty not to ostracize them, uh, not to push them away, uh, not to make them feel like a second class Christian. Uh, but listen, we ought to pray for them and love them like we'd want somebody to do if it was our children and we're to keep it quiet. Can I say amen right there? If they're forgiven and it's under the blood and you tell somebody else about it, you give an account to God for that one of these days. Amen. And I find here the mocking of these young people, the message of these young people. I find the meanness of these young people. Thou bald head, making fun of something that Elisha could not do anything about. Now I want to tell you, if somebody come in here and, uh, and then I probably shouldn't make fun of this. But if somebody come in here, you know, some man come in here and he's got on a pink jacket and pink pants and pink shoes. He's begging me to say something about it. And you know that, don't you? I mean, there's just, I probably won't say nothing on that Sunday. <laughs> but you can rest assured, I don't want anybody, our young people dressing that way. I don't want them looking like an Easter bunny, amen, especially if they're a boy. I'm talking about, I mean, you need to look like a man. Can I get a witness on that? But I'm telling you, there's one thing when you do something to, re- to just look ridiculous, amen. It's another thing when there's something in your life you can't do anything about. You ought to be merciful. You ought to be kind. You ought to treat people the way you'd want them to treat you. Hey, young people, don't be mean-hearted. Don't say things about other young people in the youth group. Don't listen, don't say things about them. Don't talk about them. And parents, don't do that neither, amen. Listen, everybody's got a defect. Isn't that right? Everybody's got a disability. Uh, everybody's not perfect. Amen. Uh, I'm telling you friend, we ought to love everybody where they're at. I'm just going to preach it all while I'm here. Amen. I'm just simply saying, hey, this is a mean crowd he's dealing with these young people. You say, where'd they learn that? I don't know. Uh, but they probably learned it from their parents. The meanness, the disrespect, the disapproval of these young people. Look, in verse 24 what happened? I see that Elisha he stops because of them. The Bible says, and he turned back. He had had enough. You know, a preacher, and there's no problem tonight, I'm just preaching, but if there is one little thing, I sure want to flush it out, don't you? I haven't heard anything, but I'll tell you before I hear something, let's just flush it out real good tonight, amen? I'm telling you, Elisha turns back. You know what the man of God does? He turns. He had had enough. I think a man of God ought to turn the other cheek. But I remind you, he's only got two. Amen. I'm telling you, he ought to be able to take a licking and keep on ticking. He ought to, listen, he ought to divorce himself from public opinion. That's what Elisha's doing here. He's just going along his way. He's just minding his own business. He's just trying not to pay any attention. But there comes a point when God told him to turn back. I'm going to tell you, there comes a time uh, when a man of God uh, he's supposed to take it and the church we're supposed to take it but there does come a time when God said hey you just crossed the line you just went too far and God has had enough uh, and God's mouthpiece is his man. Uh, don't get mad when the preacher gets up uh, and starts nailing sin and preaching on sin uh, don't even get mad when he gets real personal and starts dealing with some stuff in the church uh, when it needs to be dealt with. Uh, you know why? Because as a preacher we're not to 
put our hand to something just to put our hand to it. Amen. I'm telling you, if I know something's going on and I don't, but if I did, that doesn't give me a right to come to the pulpit and use it as a bully pulpit and to just preach because I know about it. But you rest assured, there comes a time when God says, okay, that's enough. You turn back now, you take the text and you deal with the situation. It's what Elisha's going to do here. He stops because of them. He sees them. Notice the Bible said that he looked on them. He looks them right in their face. He does not hide his message. You know, preachers ought to be that way. They ought to look people in their face when they preach. They ought to... They ought to preach it with love and compassion, but with boldness at the same time. He speaks to them. Look what the Bible says. He says to them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. You know, tonight, the man of God can either speak words of comfort or words of cursing to us tonight. The preacher, when he's up preaching, he doesn't know everything. He's to preach what God lays on his heart. Sometimes he'll preach a word of comfort, but sometimes God will tell him to preach a word of warning. And sometimes the preacher knows exactly what's going on, but he has to preach it anyway. Is that right? I mean, if two people was to get in a fight tonight and be mad and sitting on opposite sides of the church and I knew about it, I wouldn't get up and preach it just because I knew, and I don't do that. You know what I'd do? I'd go to both of them and say, now listen, y'all need to get this right. I'm not gonna waste a sermon on them, amen? I'm just gonna pull them in a room somewhere with my wife and say, now y'all get this right and let's go and serve Jesus. Can I get a witness on that? No sense in me wasting a good sermon on two people, amen, when you can preach to 200. But I'll tell you, if God said to go ahead and preach it, and I knew it, I'm to preach it anyway, isn't that right? Not with a bad spirit, not with a malicious attitude but with the spirit just preach it to us all and hope that them two get the message and get right amen uh, sometimes what I'm saying is uh, a man of God's just got to preach uh, and sometimes uh, there may be trouble in the church uh, and he may know about it and not say nothing and you may know about it and not say nothing but every now and then God uh, will just say clear off a path uh, and just go ahead and preach the devil out of it amen I'm telling you Elisha turns and looks at this youth group uh, and what he couldn't done was bless them, but instead he put a curse on them. Isn't that sad tonight? We find the disapproval of these youth. We find the destruction of these youth. Notice the, their destruction was vengeance. The Bible said in verse number 24 that when he cursed them, in the name of the Lord there came forth two sheep. He puts a curse on them in the name of the Lord. There was vengeance in this curse. It wasn't Elijah's, Elisha's words. It was God's word. Boy, I'm telling you, I don't want to be at the place in my life that whenever the man of God is preaching that I fall under that curse tonight. I see here that the destruction was vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Elisha would have just kept on going had God not told them. Their destruction, listen, was not only vengeance, but it was visible. These she-bears, they come out. You know what God will do, young people? Listen to me. Sometimes God is merciful and God will let people repent and get right and they can be between them and between him. But sometimes you can go too far and if you cross that line, we need more preaching about that. You cross that line and you, listen, you anger God in such a way. Listen, God will make that punishment visible 
We need more preaching about that. Because people don't fear God like they used to. They've been told so long they can get out and do whatever they want to, however they want to, to whoever they want to, and there's no consequences. God is love. God is merciful. God is forgiven. He's every one of those things. But God will also carry you to the woodshed. God will also put marks on you that you'll bear the rest of your life. Amen. There's certain lines you cross. Uh, and listen, when you cross it, God will forgive you, but the consequences will be far more than what you ever want to pay. Trust me tonight. And we need more preaching like that. So a younger generation will learn. I better fear God for the way I live. I better fear God for how I treat my parents, for how I treat the man of God, for how I treat my principal, for how I treat a police officer. I'm telling you, listen, there's God-ordained authority that's placed in all of our life, and we're taught to respect that authority. Every one of us are. This destruction was visible, and it was vicious. Two she-bears come out of the woods and the Bible said they tear 40 and two children of them. I, I have a question about verse number 24. I wonder if those 42 children were killed. The Bible doesn't say they were killed. It said that those she-bears tore them. Now certainly tonight a she-bear could kill somebody, couldn't it? Perhaps some of them died and some of them lived. Perhaps all 42 of them died and others fled and got away. Perhaps all 42 of them live, but they have the scars to carry the rest of their life for the sin they had committed. Hear me tonight, young people. The scars of sin run deep. And sin can take your life just like these she-bears could. And sin tonight can be, or the, the destruction of sin can be sent by God himself. You see, sin is so dangerous that sin within itself can destroy you. But sin, not only sin alone, but God can bring destruction because of sinful ways and sinful... I, I want to point out tonight that they sin with their tongue. Oh, think about this tonight. I'm not preaching to a crowd that's going to go out and get drunk tonight. I'm not preaching to a crowd that's going to go out and probably smoke dope. I'm not preaching to a crowd that's going to go out and live wild tonight, no. But I'll tell you tonight, the tongue has tore up more homes, ruined more churches, destroyed more lives. I'll never forget as a 15-year-old boy, me and my wife were sitting in a chapel service one day and a missionary was up preaching. And the missionary told the story of a young, teen, a young girl who was 10 years of age who those in the youth group made so much fun of her that she took a gun, a pistol, put it to her head, and blew her brains out. But she left behind a note to that youth group, said she was tired of being shunned, tired of being mocked and made fun of. You know, tonight, I've not only seen that out of teenagers, but I've seen that out of adults. Brother, we've got to be careful in this church that we treat everybody the same. Is that right tonight? That we love everybody. That we don't hold anybody more higher than anybody else. I'm telling you the ground's level tonight in this church. Is that the truth? Pastor included. I'm telling you tonight we're just all unprofitable servants. God don't need any of us tonight. It don't matter where we come from. It don't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're pretty or ugly. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. Most of us are ugly anyway. You know that, don't you? 
It don't matter if you're skinny or blessed. <laughs> it don't make no difference tonight. It don't matter if you're young or you're old. It doesn't matter how much money's in your bank account. It doesn't matter where you buy your clothes. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. It doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. I'm telling you, if God's blessed you, I say more power to you. I hope he blesses you 10 times more, amen? But the truth of the matter is, it makes no difference tonight how many people knows me or don't know me. We're not running in a popularity contest. Somebody say amen. Hey, every young person in this youth group is important. Every member of this church is important. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, from the youngest to the eldest, and we're not going to build anybody else up. We're not going to promote anybody else. I just feel like preaching on that a little while. I say thank God. Ain't still some place you can go where there's no who's who around here. Amen. <laughs> Woo! i tell you who's who. We're all a bunch of who's who that ought to be in hell is what we are, amen? I'm telling you, God pulled us out of the dung hills. That's where he pulled us out of, amen? We're a bunch of nobodies that was headed nowhere and had it not been for Jesus and the grace of God and the mercy of God, we wouldn't be worth the land it'd take to shoot us tonight. No, say bless the Lord for his mercy and his grace tonight. Don't you just want to, you know, it's good for me and you to have the props not completely out from all of us tonight. I'm telling you, God don't need me. He don't need me to pastor this church. He don't need you tonight. His church did fine 37 years before I showed up. He'll do fine when I'm gone. His church don't need any of us tonight. Don't you think God you're sitting here? I'm just glad to be here tonight. I'm like Peter. Peter said a lot of dumb things, but he sure said one good thing on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I know God wasn't in a building program, amen, but I tell you, it was good to be there on the Mount of Transfiguration. I tell you, God will never use anybody that walks through a church and feels like the church needs them or I've arrived. Hey, we're not changing things just because you showed up. Can I get a witness on that? I'm trying to preach to the young people. I think we all need it tonight. I'm telling you, Sometimes people shows up uh, and they say, preacher, you got something in your crawl? No, I just feel like preaching it all tonight. I'm telling you, some places you go, uh, uh, people waltz in. I remember one time somebody waltz in this church uh, and I could tell the way they walked in, they thought there's a million bucks. Come on now. They were Monopoly money. They come in and sit down. I thought, hey, my, I'm not going to tell you what. Hey, I'm going I'm to tell you what I thought. Lord, forgive me. But I thought, aren't we blessed? How did we make it all these years without you? They lasted about six months and we wasn't good enough, amen. I'll tell you why. Because we're not gonna, we're not gonna give you a trophy and a badge and we're not gonna parade you down the aisle and we're not gonna put you up here on the platform and just all go, go we're not just all gonna go goo-goo eye over you. Come on now, y'all stay with me tonight. I'm telling you, your armpit stinks just like everybody else, amen. I'm telling you, listen, we're all just flesh and God, listen, has been so merciful tonight and we ought to just be humbled uh, that we're even amongst the brethren. Amen. Is that right, young people? I'm telling you, I don't care if you part your hair to the right or the left, but you ought to part it to the right, but I don't care if you part it to the right or the left. Amen. You're just good to be here. What happened to this youth group? What happened to them? 
the depletion of them is this. If you get to verse 25, they're gone. The man of God goes on in verse 25. The ministry goes on. But the mockers are gone in verse 25. What happened? Why did this youth group get torn apart? I think it's four things. I'm not going to preach them, but I'll tell you what they are tonight. I think, first of all, it was apostasy. Because if you remember Jeroboam, he put, a, he put a golden calf at Dan and Bethel. And he got the people of God to stop going to Jerusalem and to, false, and to enter into false worship. And false worship, if it does anything, it does this. It magnifies the flesh. It emboldens the flesh. It builds pride. That's why we got to be so careful in our church that we don't let the flesh get into preaching or flesh get into the Sunday school podium or flesh get into the pulpit where the preacher's preaching or flesh get on the platform or flesh get into those instruments or flesh get in the choir. Am I telling it right tonight? We got to keep that flesh submitted. We got to keep it beat down. That's why the preacher needs to preach on everything whether we're guilty of it or not. We got to keep that flesh out of here. I know we're all wrapped up in it today but we got to keep it under control. We got to beat that. It can't be about me. It can't be about you. This is not a stage. It's not a performance. Can I get a witness right there? It's not about who can do the best. It's not about who is like the most. I don't know why I'm preaching all that, but I sure feel some liberty on it. I'm just telling you tonight, hey, listen, you ought to find the one person that nobody wants nothing to do with, and you ought to make them your best friend. Amen? Because if Jesus come in, that's exactly what he would do. He would find the one person that nobody wanted nothing to do with, and it'd probably be me and it'd probably be you but he'd sit down right next to us don't you thank God for the mercy of the Savior amen Woo! I'm telling you there's never been one time brother Mike I've ever talked to the Lord and God said and he's never said to me you know your conversation's not interesting enough for me he's never one time the God of the universe I've never went to him in prayer that he has said to me, you know, I can't really get anything out of what you're saying. I'm too busy for you. Or you don't fit the criteria. No. I want to tell you something tonight. We can go to God in prayer and fumble our words and mess it up. And the Holy Spirit will take that jumble of a mess of a prayer. He'll take it to the throne room. And the Lord will say, now, Father, here's really what he's trying to say. He can say it so much better than I can. But he loves me and he loves you tonight. That's real Christian character is when you find somebody and you, 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 you say, well, preacher, I don't get a lot out of, that, out, of that, out of that friendship. That's not even what friendship is about. Young people, you hear me. Friendship is about ministry. Friendship is about picking somebody that needs you, that you can be a help, that you can be an encouragement. It's not about what you can feed off from them. It's about what you can give them. I don't know where I'm getting all this out of this verse. I'm just telling you tonight, uh, these young people got in trouble because the truth wasn't being preached to them. I'll tell you, we need the truth in this hour, amen. Apostasy, absence. You know who's not in the text? And I don't preach a lot on what's not in the text because that leaves, uh, leaves room for saying things that the Bible doesn't say. And I think it's safe to say this. If you look and see who's absence, who's missing in this text, I'll tell you who it is. It's the parents. Where are the parents in this text? There's no leadership here. Oh, listen to me. Mom and dad, listen to me tonight. 
Don't sit around and get wrapped up in your teenager's drama tonight. Amen? I mean, you be spiritually minded enough. They're going to have some of it. Every teenager does. Now, I know y'all don't think you have any, but you have some. Boy, I feel like I'm preaching to the firing squad right now. (laughs) But I'm just going to have to say it because it ought to be said. It'll ruin you and your children. My mom wasn't even saved. I'd come in and say something. She's like, oh, get outside and stop talking like that. Y'all remember that? Well, if we whined about, she's like, hush and get out there and play. Y'all remember that? Mama, they looked at me wrong. I would too. (laughs) Mama, you're not going to believe what they said about me. We've said worse, going outside and play. I mean, I got a million of them, friend. I heard them growing up. I don't have to make them up. I heard them all my life. Mama, he hit me. I'm going to hit you too if you don't get outside. You know what I'm talking about. They didn't patronize us. They didn't, they didn't sit around and coddle us. They didn't sit around and say, well, I know my kid. No, you, you don't know them. You, you know them better than most people know them, but you don't know the flesh. You know how I know that's true? I don't know this stuff, amen? And it's capable of doing all kinds of wicked things, telling things in my favor. It's, it's capable of lying. It's capable of jealousy. It's capable of, of just pride and envy and strife. I mean, it's just a wicked vice that we're in and we're going to be in it until the rapture or until we go home to glory and the best thing you can do for your children and your young people say, get outside and play. Hallelujah. Don't, don't coddle them. Be a Christian and tell them, say, well, swallow it. It'll be okay. Amen. Hey, young people, I don't know of any. If I did, I'd probably preach on it. I don't know of any. Make sure you have unity. Amen. Somebody mistreats you in the youth group, you be the bigger Christian. You go the extra mile. You love them. You say, Brother Gravely, if you only knew. Well, it's not going to be the first time in life that a brother or a sister is going to hurt you. You can't go through church. And listen to me. You can't go through church all the time when your feelings hurt. Can I get an amen right there? You got to get past them little drama. I'm hurt. I'm mad. I can't talk to nobody. Oh, you got to grow up bigger than that. Is that right? Listen, you say, preacher, why? It'll tear your family apart. It's what it'll do. It'll do irreversible damage if you harbor feelings towards somebody that mistreats you, absence, arrogancy, authority. At the end of the day, it was God that sent these bears out. We don't like to think about that, but it was God that brought this on them. I have seen it in 23, almost 24 years now. Tonight, I I thought this afternoon about it. I thought about people that used to sit in this church Parents who loved God, sang in the choir, they were a blessing. And many of you would even, could even think of some of the same people that I'm thinking about. But they listened to their children. They let their children get wrapped up in just a bunch of drama. They pushed them into things that they wanted to see them do. 
They believed every word that they said. People say, I believe my children. Believe the Bible. There's a, you, can, you can trust your children without believing everything they say. Is that right? Why does your child always get hit last and you never believe they hit somebody first? Why is that? Amen. Why is it that you always believe that somebody said something to them before they said something back? Why do you believe that every time? Well, Brother Gravely, I know my kids. Well, I don't believe that. You'll do well sometimes to say, hush, grow up, and move on. You might even do them a world of good to say, you know what, if you don't change your attitude, I'm going to blister your britches. Y'all with me tonight? I mean, I, I remember growing up, my parents would say, tell me that story one more time. Come on now. I know this don't fit psychology today. It's too much for some people. I mean, I, and it's baby dedication. Can you believe that? <laughs> but I'm telling you the truth tonight. Don't follow this mentality of what we're living in this world today. You young people, listen, the Bible says to endeavor to keep unity. I hadn't heard one thing, but I'm telling you this needs to be said tonight. We got to love each other, don't we? We got to keep jealousy out of the church. Strife, envy, because it'll tear the youth group apart. may not even start in the young people. It might start in some parent. Can't never tell. So-and-so's got more recognition than I got, than my child got or I got. Oh, we don't ever need that in this church, do we? Can I get an amen right there? I, well, so-and-so sung my song. Nobody owns a song in this church. That's like me getting mad because somebody preached John 3.16. Well, I preached John 3.16. Can you believe they preached John 3.16 and I preached John 3.16? Can't do that. Can't let that flesh get in the way tonight as we stand. I wonder tonight, our heads are about eyes are closed as they play softly. It's a desire to see every young person in this church. I want to see you draw closer to God. But I'm going to tell you something tonight. It takes, it takes a group effort on the parent's side and on the young person's side. Things are not at near of a big deal if you just won't let them be. Don't sweat the little things in life. Just go on, serve God. Things will be all right. Amen. Well, I pray for our teenagers today. They're living in a different world, aren't they? They need our prayers. Our young people, these children, they need our prayers. They need to see stability and strength and faith and all those good things. I tell you, if half of us just raise our children the way our parents raised us, we'll be all right. Don't listen to everything coming down the pipe. Your parents may have never had a psychology or, or a psycho, they may have never had a degree in psychology or anything like that, but I'll tell you what they had. They had good old horse sense. Amen. They knew, they knew, how, they knew some things about life. You know that, and I know that. They lived life long enough. They knew, they knew some things, and they... They applied that and they taught you right for the most part. If you stop and think about it and you just follow that same route, you follow the principles of the Word of God. God will bless you for that tonight. While Brother Sam sings, if you need to come, you come on tonight. Hey, before we sing that verse, maybe somebody here needs to come.
Put your tongue on this altar tonight. Say, Lord, forgive me for saying something about somebody that I shouldn't have said. Forgive me for telling something that I had no business telling. Oh, think about that tonight. I started to sing that verse, but I felt a little nudge of God to say, no, you, you need to give that invitation on that tonight. Oh, be careful. Just because it's true don't mean it needs to be told. He that's of a faithful spirit, a real mature Christian, knows how to keep their mouth closed about other things. You just pray for people. Don't tell somebody. You use the same you use the same privacy and concern and compassion on others that you would want somebody to use on you. The decency and the respect of not telling when somebody, maybe they've got a trial, maybe they've messed up, but you use compassion. You be faithful. You, you don't tell even your best friend what somebody else has went through. You just keep them things quiet and pray about it. Amen.